Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is an anomaly. What began as a commercial for action films eventually came to justify its own existence. It's a TV series that I really believe in. One might think it's primarily for MCU diehards, but watching S.H.I.E.L.D. constantly reinvent itself and improve every season makes it a sight to see for all. Those were my words on Paste Magazine. This is an article called Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Return Tonight and It Deserves Your Attention, published on December 1st, 2017. This came out before the premiere of the fifth season, the fifth season as it's concluded. As of this recording, actually as of the release of this episode, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will return for a sixth season on Friday. So, I'm Chris Compendio, this is episode 49 of AP Marvel. Uh, joining here to grill me is Izzy Show. Hello there. How is your essay writing? It is finals. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Hell yeah. Imagine, um, if you watch Bob's Burgers, um, <laughs> Tina's face, when Bob's like, Tina, don't lie, show me your I'm alright, I think it's fine face. Like, that's, right. that's what I present yeah. to you. I am sure I've seen that on a GIF at some point. Oh yeah, I need to watch Bob's Burgers. Right, I was looking. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at a uh, the the list of Disney movies coming out in the next like f- several years, and one of them, I guess, Bob's Burgers, like the movie, because they're making a movie, will oh, technically right. be a Disney movie. That's really weird, but whatever. Disney owns fucking everything. Uh, rest in peace, Gambit. Um, rest in peace, question mark, the new mutants, which has I, been delayed again. I actually think that will still be alive in some way. Like, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to Disney+. Plus. I think that's the most... I'm, I'm so surprised they just didn't throw it on Hulu at some point, because, man, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but you'd think they want to take advantage of the Macy Williams hype right now. Oh, absolutely. I think, like... Come on! Yeah, no, you're right. I think it's like, cause it's fake. It's a lot about like figuring out like like what they want to do with that and like Marvel. Cause like it's almost the new movies almost feels like it's like if they're presenting Dark Things as the end, then the new movies is almost like the <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home, except it's gonna go nowhere because it's done. So it might just be working like reworking out like a lot of like the stuff that uh, I I guess has it lead on towards like a new universe or whatever or like seeing what fox wants to do um like if they want to build another those x-men films at all still like i think it's a lot of like narrative i i think but i think what happened is that the first time it got pushed fox was like no it's more connected they have to they have to i guess disconnect everything um but i remember when the first trailer came out it was like very well received right so i don't well i really liked it at the very least i i'm just saying i don't remember but... mm. ages oh, of no. shield yeah <laughs> so to give some context um chris is an avid fan as most of all of us know uh i um so in teaching this class um the stuka that we teach I had watched no Marvel TV, so I had to catch up on, like, all the seasons. I have not watched season five, but I do enjoy the show a lot, and I'm trying to find a way to work out, like, I guess, catching up into my hectic existence. But 
this will really God. be me like sort of interviewing Chris, asking more about their love of Shield and where this came from, and also just a discussion on really what does make Shield great. Even though I am not cut out, I really, really like the direction that it was heading. It has been heading in, and I know like I go. I guess not like a healthy handful of what's in the fifth season, but not enough that like I know everything, I think. Well, we're not going to go into spoilers, you yeah. know, like I want to like if, if someone is like, oh, what the heck is this Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. show? And I somehow convince them, hey, you should try to watch this thing. I'd probably want to keep some of the big uh, reveals yeah. on the lay low. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that includes the big one. <laughs> like, uh, everyone who, anyone who's watched the show, they know what I probably mean. But it's, it, it's you know, think, think of you, Izzy, as like a surrogate. Like, you're learning of like why I love S.H.I.E.L.D. so much. And it's it's just going to be me, kind of. Because I, <laughs> I rewatched the series recently, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. I was able to kind of, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of my opinions on it have kind of been reframed based on, like, things that I've learned since then, since I first saw it. And, you know, I'm... I'm Dude, I'm so excited for this new season. I don't know what's what's coming up, but I am down for whatever they got. So, yeah, I was very grateful to um, Matt Brennan. He is the, oh, sorry, he was the television editor of uh, Paste Magazine. He has since, uh, I believe, I think he's moved on. To, I, I'm not sure if he's announced his plans, but shout out to Matt. He, I think it was his last day, like a couple weeks ago. Um, as of the release of this episode, but he was the editor of this of this uh, piece, and he you know really challenged me to like m- to really make the argument. You know, like at first it was just kind of like a little fluff piece, like hey, there's some, some there's some cool things that I really like about the show, but but you know I tried to get really deep into it. So I'm gonna put the link up on the show notes. Again, like there are going to be like reveals. Um, in ma- me making the case for the show, but I'm hoping to m- still make the case verbally without spoilers. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of like wrote a little bit of an outline, a, a little guide for Izzy, but she is free to do whatever uh, she wants to um, with this. I mean, you <laughs> you you basically interviewed me for like like you know not in front of a microphone, but you interviewed me for. Uh, what was it for a class? It was for a class. Or, yeah. 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 Um that I'm still writing an essay for. <laughs> well, it's actually it's actually a portfolio like it which is very yes, easy yes, but the yes, big yes, thing is yes. like the writer's statement. So Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, but um, Right, yeah. That was a very comfortable format I feel. I was able to kind of um speak my mind uh one one-on-one conversation and also thomas was supposed to be on this episode but uh he has a commitment he was uh, unable to make it last minute he has since offered to edit this episode on my behalf and i will take him up on that offer so if you're listening to this while you're editing thank you thomas so izzy um how would you like to get started with this whole convo so as you mentioned in our little intro you want Um, If you end up convincing people to watch this show, like, that would be great just, like, somehow through our conversation. So think of me as, like, living under a rock, knowing (laughs) nothing about the show. So I guess describe 
uh, you don't have to give like a plot synopsis of like or summary of like the concept of the show. I think I'll give myself that knowledge under this rock. But like, explain. Um, I guess explain like almost like the like the tone that the writing character interviews. Like, what makes Shield Shield? I guess right. And I'm gonna cheat with my answer. <laughs> Because I don't think there's really a singular tone. I think the cool thing, the thing that makes Shield Shield, is that it is so versatile, it is able to adapt to different tones depending on kind of the every season kind of tells a different story and kind of takes on a different side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So. When you look at season one and season five side by side, it, you know there there have been like uh, inside jokes and memes within the Shield fan community of like, oh look how like uh, bright and happy season one is, and then look how everyone is um, angry and bloody and murderous in like season four and five. You know when you start to get to like the uh, yeah, ex- wow okay yes that that kind of makes sense yes. Uh, Age for Shield is actually a metaphor for college. Um, but it, it's... oh, I said the CW. Ah, <laughs> uh, I heard CMU for some reason. It's like, yeah, four years, four years of being happy in your freshman year, and then getting all like, like, um, just totally dead and miserable by year four and five. You know, presuming you're not gonna graduate in four years. Oh, like, that's oh. that's also, I guess, kind of true. Um, hot take, but. Right. Yeah, the broodingness and the, I guess, um, I don't want to say depression, but, like, just the state of unknowing and darkness. <laughs> okay, so, you mentioned the CW, and I think it's an interesting comparison, you know, they're both network, like, the, the Arrowverse stuff and Age of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're both network television, comic book television shows. I said television yes, twice in one sentence. <laughs> yes, it's that sounded great, probably. But I would say the different there there's stigmas that come with network television. It's lower budget. Uh, it's probably more serial. Like there are like hella you know um, higher episode uh, counts for network television. You know they're cheaper to make. So it's like oh, what is this like low budget, um, low grade MCU crap? And let me be clear, it absolutely started off as that. <laughs> I'm going to get to that. But um, what the writers are able to do, it, it's uh, the showrunners are Jed Whedon, who is Joss Whedon's half brother. Uh, you're gonna I, Izzy, do you know how to pronounce uh, Marissa Tancherone? Is that how you pronounce her name? Um, give me a second. To... That sounded like so white of me saying her last name, Latanchrone. But um... I mean, like, mm, this is gonna be commentary <laughs> on how um, on Asians, Asian here. No, cut this part. Cut this part out, please, Thomas. <laughs> um, no. I think it's yeah, Marissa Tancherone. I don't know sure. what you said. Right, um, Jet Whedon's wife mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Bell, uh, another. Uh, I believe he is a, an Angel alum, an X-Files, an alias, apparently. 
So the difference between Agents of Shield and CW Arrowverse is that the people. I'm sorry. This is like gonna sound like a sick burn, and like it's like gonna sound petty, but the people on Agents of Shield, the characters act like real people. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I feel like there is, like, I, you know, nothing, I, I respect, I, I like some Arrowverse stuff, I, you know, I respect the fan base a lot, and, you know, I respect the fact that they're fully aware when their own favorite shows are not good, uh, i.e., like, Arrow Season 4, which I heard was a, just a shit show, um, but... You know, you hear the word organic a lot from, uh, I think it was Guggenheim or whatever his name was, who who uh, was the runner, who show ran Arrow, when talking about the relationship between Oliver Queen and Felicity. And it was very, it was very soapy. It was very, um, I don't know. The thing I hate about uh, serial television is this whole, like, Oh, they're back together, and then they're uh, apart, and then they're arguing again because of artificial drama. You know, I hate artificial drama. And there's something so, excuse me, organic about the way S.H.I.E.L.D. does character drama. Uh, Everyone acts pretty rationally. People usually don't keep, like, um, secrets from each other, just as, like, as cheap drama. It's... A very smart show that, and again, I'm about to use another cliched phrase, it subverts expectations. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is very good at leading you on and then um, throwing something in the wrench. Uh, They have not been able to kind of top their first big plot twist, but they have still been doing really interesting stuff. So that's kind of like the baseline i think it's just a very good cast i think all of the actors are genuinely very good there's something like you know again i'm like doing some sick disses but the mtv level of actors you know this isn't this isn't that <laughs> ming na wen mulan is in this show Clark Gregg, real actor. Coulson! Yes. Uh, Jeez, who else? Chloe Bennett, I think, has really proven herself. Brett Dalton, uh, who plays Ward. Kind you of. Give... Oh, sorry. Don't... Yeah. He started off as, like, kind of generic, but then they do a very smart thing with this character to kind of, like, justify that, I feel. <laughs> I know that's going to sound weird, but, um, you know, I... I it, Ian DeCastaker, um, again, I probably mispronounced his name. I think that's right. Uh, yes, that that boy, <laughs> that Scottish boy of mine <laughs> who plays uh, Leo Fitz, I think is one of the finest performers, not only in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but also the MCU in general. He has a wide range of emotions that he uh, shows off. And it's great. It's great that the writing supports that because the writing takes him on so many different places, and they're always at a place. It's always somewhere that makes sense. There's, with maybe a few exceptions, there's nothing that's really cheap about this show. I keep saying the word cheap, but that's that's mostly television these days. They're all playing cheap tricks on you. That's why Walking Dead turned me off because they kept playing cheap tricks. Um, I feel like. The, I feel like Game of Thrones is kind of doing that right now in its final season. Uh, but that's a whole different conversation. So that is 
that's kind of the the base that the, the that's the constant the the changing genres the exceptional cast the smart writing and you know like the cgi isn't the best but here's a minor spoiler for you they go to fucking space in season five and that looks it looks pretty damn good so much so that the rest of the season took place indoors because they probably ran out of budget, but it looked fine to me. Uh, Izzy, anything else? Yeah. Um, anything you want to press me on? Like, you can, you can like, really poke at me and, like, challenge me if you want. Yeah, I'm just, like, following, like, this outline, like, letting, I like, guess, the conversation go as it is. Um, you mentioned, um, you mentioned that, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. had a rocky start, um, and I... We'll definitely agree with that um you definitely i like how you phrased in like your face article as like it felt so and how it felt so much like advertisement like they bring in like a few big name actors to try to inject it with life and it still still just like fails but as you as you can as you can see by like this interview and like your enthusiasm like it does like evolve and change and, like how like, what did change? Like, what did they learn? Like, what did they do? It's hard for me to track that because, um, you know what? Maybe not so much because, again, like I said, I rewatched the show. I had a weird rewatch because I started from the Winter Soldier tie-in. So that was, like, the last third of Season 1. Then I watched all of Season 2. And then I was like, hey, let me double back to Season 1, all the way to Episode 1, and see just how that, how that holds up. And... I thought I would have um, appreciated early shields better because, like, oh, I, I kind of see, like, how it evolved. But jumping from the end of Season 2 to the beginning of Season 1 was rough. Like, the show was not good back then. And let me tell you why. Um, it felt like, and I describe it in the Pace article as a... Uh, as a wannabe Firefly, or something like, like, uh, akin to early Torchwood. And if you ask me, like, uh, seasons one and two of Torchwood were very, were very juvenile, very, uh, rough and frantic and campy. And a lot of it just seems contrived. A lot of it seemed forced. All the characters seemed like they all had one trait each. And... You get what the writers are going for for each episode. Like, you get, like, oh, here's the lesson. They're all supposed to learn to be a team at the end. And then they're all drinking a beer. And they're like, yeah, we make a good team. Even though they didn't, you know, the episode before. It's it's very... Tri- it, it was very trite. There were a lot of... Uh, canned lines. Like, they, they literally go into lines like... He's standing right behind me, isn't he? Or, who are you and what have you done with name? Like, just just really cliched, like, Disney Channel level stuff like that. Um, they try to punctuate a lot of the, um, a lot of the act breaks of each episode with some sort of action sequence. But you can tell they're trying way too hard to make it seem like a movie action scene. And it just kind of looks pathetic honestly like on the small screen if i'm gonna be totally honest i think uh cinematography wise the the show is just too bright like there is some gnarly stuff happening here and it's it's just not a it, it was a chore 
I didn't really, I, even like, um, one of my favorite episodes was episode six of season one. It's, it's called Fitz, like, but like, <laughs> yeah, like F-Z-Z-T, and that is a very major character episode for, uh, Fitz, Fitz and, Simmons. and, yeah, Simmons played by Elizabeth Henstridge, who was also excellent, like, man, I can go on about how amazing she is. And the the second half of the episode held up great. The first half did not. The writing was just not there. The dialogue felt contrived. And it was just kind of like, it was just by the numbers. It was very like X-Files or like procedural, like, yep, a cold opening with something weird happening. Title sequence. The gang's all having a time, and, like, maybe there's some banter going on, and then they get the call, and then they go investigate the thing, and then uh, they get deeper into the thing, and then yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think what really changed with that episode, though, was when it got really personal, and a lot of the characters made really big decisions that would um, reflect on their character arcs for the rest of not just the season but the whole damn show specifically Fitzsimmons and Ward uh, not to mention Coulson has a very good scene where he is helping this man who knows he's about to die kind of go through that moment and it it just it, it's it's moments like that um, because the interesting part about that, that character, that, you know, random character who's about to die, he is infected by a virus that he got from a Chitauri helmet. He was a firefighter who helped, you know, um, was a first responder in Avengers 1, and they do a lot of this stuff. They do a lot of, like, tie-ins, like, they, they, like, find, like, artifacts or, like, it's, it's item 47, but as a TV show. And it was cool kind of seeing, hey, this ties in with the movie, but there's also, like, an emotional component to this, you know? Like, he, he's a first responder, he, you know, is essentially a hero for for uh, for being there, and he's kind of being, he kind of, like, um, drew the short end of the straw, he's kind of being punished for this, and he just found out he's about to die, and, like... He gets this man, Phil Coulson, who has literally died before, and that's a whole thing with season one. How did Phil Coulson come back to life? Um, Phil Coulson is the one who helps him go through that, but it's also like a character thing for Phil Coulson because he's just trying to he's he's just now figuring out. Wait a minute, there are some weird circumstances regarding the fact that I am still alive right now, and I'm gonna kind of pull something from what Marcus and McFeely of um, Captain America and Avengers fame, they're the co-writers of those films, uh, they said in the commentary of Infinity War, whenever they write a scene, they always want to do more than one thing in each scene. And I think, you know, they have nothing to do with Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I think um, S.H.I.E.L.D. does it really well. Um Honestly, I don't think Marcus and McFeely are the best writers in town. Like, I think the S.H.I.E.L.D. writers are really good. Um, so, probably where things really start to get good, because it just kind of goes by the numbers even after that episode, is <laughs> they injected something in the show, 
and what they injected was Bill fucking Paxton. Uh, you know, game over, man, game over. Um, iconic, um, 80s, 90s performer, just iconic performer in general, rest his soul. And it's just like this scenery-chewing, charismatic guy, and... Um, kind of, kind of adding, you know, Agents of Shield a little bit of cred, cause like, hey, yo, it's Bill Paxton on a TV show, <laughs> but, um, he his arrival coincided with the turn from procedural show, where it's like monster of the week or villain of the week, whatever you want to call it, you know, like like an X Files or my first case example, Power case. Rangers, yeah, yeah, Power Rangers is my example. <laughs> And it became a larger uh, story arc where there is this kind of, you know, there's always like some sort of evil organization. You know, in this case, it was the Centipede Project that was, and I always find this so funny. It's so stupid. It's this organization who is pulling together all of like the different powerful components of the MCU. So like, like gamma radiation the super soldier serum extremis and putting it all into one like wrist device like like on your arm like along your arm and it just makes you into a superpowered person i always thought that was the dumbest thing ever because they're like scientifically like again it's the mcu but like there is no way all of those things would mix together <laughs> but that was the plot because it's season one it's like hey Season 1 is basically a sign that's saying, hey, we're related to the movies because you had things like, just a lot of name drops of like, oh wow, those are like Romanoff level numbers, or just just like random um, references to Hulk, Iron Man, Captain America, and it was grating. And the cool thing about the end of Season 1 is by the time things start to wrap up, they're pulling together all of the different uh, characters and supporting characters and elements and plot elements from the rest of season one. It is using its own mythology, not the MCU. So I've always liked the movies for kind of building their own space in the MCU. And Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of does that on its own, which I really appreciate. It kind of takes hints from the movies now and then. Uh, in its current state. Uh, but it's... Like, I'm not watching the show anymore to get caught up on the MCU. I'm watching it because it's good fucking television, yo. <laughs> it's just genuinely fun to watch now. Bill Paxton's a key. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I... I guess inject a... I guess a little, like, my, like, I guess, agreement. Like, I definitely agree, like... I think, like, yes, like, I did watch show to catch up with, like, my class, like, with the class, but, like, I also did genuinely enjoy it. I thought season four was remarkable and very well done television, and yeah. I love every yeah. bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can talk all about season four <laughs> as an example for how the show evolved, I guess. Yeah. You mentioned, like, actually, when you mentioned your example, like, the firefighter, like, in fact, by this story, like, it's interesting. I'd been learning about um, like just nine eleven narratives, like in college, and analyzing that rhetoric behind yes. that. Yes. And 
it's very interesting to see like this definitely I like, was touched upon like more in season four and I, I don't know how much in season five but like just that evolution, like, socially, like, with those, like, social teams as well, was very... Give 9-11 first responders their health care, goddammit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, just, like, very well done, and I think very yeah. interesting to explore. And at first, like, for season four, very jarring and very, like, scary, but... Ooh, scary. Ooh. But, yeah, very, like, it's still like very well done and is one of the strongest like vehicles and components of like this season yeah speaking of vehicles in season four <laughs> lola oh season four no season four yeah vehicle and I'm, I'm thinking about uh you know what i'm thinking about you know what i'm thinking about season four vehicle hmm hmm a writer of sorts oh what of sorts a writer perhaps Oh, yes, <laughs> I do. I do know do what you, you're talking about. Do you remember what they called the three arcs of season four? They call them pods. Pods, yeah. Uh, not to be confused with a podcast, but, you know, usually um, these television seasons, they're, they're usually 22 episodes long on ABC. And it's usually just one long story arc that, that's um, divided by a mid-season break. So it's kind of like two halves. Season four split it up into three distinct story arcs with their own name. <laughs> I think Gotham did this too, but I don't, I don't yeah, know like, Gotham. Yeah, <laughs> I think Gotham did it like almost... It felt like Gotham did it by season. Right, yeah, it's like Gotham, Rise of the uh, Bad Guys, I don't know, but um, I have no idea. I I watched I watched the clip of the last episode of Gotham to see, like, hey, what does Batman look like? And it's like, hey, there he is. Okay, show's over. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I, I can say what the pods are because I don't think that's really, uh, it's, it's something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, pod 1... Was actually I'm only gonna say what the first two pods are because the third pod is actually kind of a spoiler. That's a yeah, that's a huge, yes. that's a big one. Yes, pod one was Ghost Rider. Not to be confused with Hulu's new series Ghost Rider. Well, kind of because it's the same. Oh, oh real? Mm, uh, they is, could... is it? Is it same uh... actor? It's the same actor and the same character, but we can, we can talk about it... that right after. <laughs> yeah. Is it really? I don't so, know if it's confirmed. Okay, okay. no, uh, we're, we're going to decide. Well, actually, let me, let me just say this. Gabriel Luna uh, plays the Robbie Reyes version of Ghost Rider. Not Johnny Blaze, you know. Not Nicolas Cage. No one can ever surpass Nicolas Cage uh, in that in those two iconic movies that he did. Are you being sarcastic? Uh, absolutely, yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think his iteration was popular enough that, first of all, uh, uh, Gabriel Luna. Sorry, I'm, I'm just uh, making sure that I have this correctly, but he is like the bad guy in the next Terminator movie. Wait, what? Like, well, yes, he's, wait, he's okay. No, it's number number one. They're still making Terminator films. Number two, yes. good for him. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like, this this will be like the proper. Like, Terminator 3, they call it, because, like, J James Cameron is actually involved for the first time since, like, 
two. He saw what uh, they were doing. He saw what yeah. Alan Taylor did and said, I'm a stop yeah. you right there. <laughs> yeah. Sidebar. I, I found this video of James Cameron um, glowing over Terminator Genesis, but like it was very clear he was only doing it as a favor for Arnold. <laughs> but he, he began by saying, uh, yeah, and, you know, I, I didn't make this movie. I didn't write it. I didn't direct it. But like, <laughs> oh, wow. And um, yeah, Tim Miller of Deadpool 1 fame is directing Terminator Dark Fate. And uh, Gabriel Luna is the T... I don't know. Is he the T-1000? He, he's a liquid Terminator. He's like the Robert Patrick character. Oh, his... was that the one? Oh, no, never mind. I'm confusing it. Um, <laughs> sorry. He was an Asian dude in Genesis, I think. But okay, um, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I thought was like it also in Genesis. Yes, but uh, I, I, I'm only I'm, the Robert Patrick version is is the real one. But he is going to be in his own Hulu show as Ghost Rider. There is um, debates on whether it's going to be canon to the MCU or not because he is in the Texas Mexico border, whereas in Agents of Shield he is in East Los Angeles, which is where he is in the comics. But that's another conversation. The cool thing about the Ghost Rider pod was that it indirectly links to the Doctor Strange. Uh, it, it indirectly links to that film because, again, less explicit tie-ins. But, you know, the showrunners, they looked at Doctor Strange and like, hey, movie guys are doing magic now. You know what that means? It means we can do magic now. <laughs> So, you got, like, this really, this, this banger of an opening scene of, um, of Ghost Rider on his charger, and it's like, like, flames are coming out of it, and it, it shot decently well. There's one really silly CGI shot where the car flips over, but, like, I'll, I'll forgive that because the rest of it was badass. Um, it is also, um, when the time slot changed from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. And you know what that means, Izzy? Late night magic? Yeah! <laughs> it began with the gratuitous ass shot of Chloe Bennett. <laughs> Ugh. And there's this one part where Ghost Rider, like, takes a guy and he takes him out of view and then you just see blood splatter and you're like, what the fuck did he do to that guy? <laughs> he um, did. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, let me tell you, like, they, they do some, they, there are like, a couple visual moments that is very explicitly Doctor Strange inspired. Like, I, I'm not, I don't want to say what they are, but like you can probably guess what they are. Like, the most obvious thing about Doctor Strange. So, that was a weird shift for the show. <laughs> Where it's like, hey, instead of, like, one long season, what if we do, like, three mini-seasons, kind of? There are still some recurring elements of all three pods of season four. But, um... It transitions really perfectly into the LMD pod. Uh, LMD, of course, standing for Life Model Decoy. Correct? Yes. I think, yeah. Yes, <laughs> Life Model Decoy, which is which is a thing in in the comic books. And uh, Westworld was kind of getting off its feet at the same time. It was like, yo, it's just, it's just doing Westworld now. Or it's like, ah, oh, who's an LMD? And, like, uh, it had um, Ada, the kind of the, or, not original, but, like, the, the most prominent AMD. Uh, LMD, LMD yeah. AMD is a, AMD is a uh, graphics card <laughs> manufacturer, I believe, but 
Um, I'm trying to remember who played her, what her name was. Mallory Jansen. Yes. Uh, very good performance. Um, for being a robot, she, damn, does she have some range for some very uh, important scenes. And I will say, I'm not going to say what happens in it, but my one of my favorite television shows, one of my favorite television episodes of all time is the end of the LMD arc. It is season four, episode 15. It's an episode called Self-Control. And it is written and directed by Jed Whedon. And let me tell you, Joss can fuck off after this episode because, man... Um, there are just so many, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about, um, subverting expectations because they're, they're great at even inserting a plot twist in just like a singular episode. And it's, it's very tense. It's very, it's very, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just very well choreographed. Um, there you get to a point where the action it generally gets impressive in the show. I would say season two is when the action started to get really good. There's this amazing fight scene in season two where Mei, played by Ming Na, who by the way is ageless, let's just say. She's gorgeous. Um she fights an enemy who is using that like the face mask from the Winter Soldier that um Natasha used to like disguise herself as a councilwoman. Um so Ming Na is fighting herself <laughs> And the choreography of that of that um, of that fight scene is very good, but there's this one shot. It's just like oh man, money shot. It's like the equivalent to like when Bucky flips the knife in the Winter Soldier. That's how what it'll compare it to. And then you get later on in in the middle of the season, uh, in an episode called The Dirty Half Dozen. There's this really wonderful shot where it's it's a one take of uh, Sky played by Chloe Bennett just just like destroying these um these hydra goons in 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 like in um it is shot like a john wick movie and yeah it, it's it's only like a minute long scene but like it's a very impressively done scene especially since they actually didn't one take and like that was chloe bennett doing all the action there it's a cool there's some really cool action here you know like i wouldn't say there's anything like um there, there, it, it, it doesn't have like the daredevil hallway moments, but uh, it's very consistent and just like delivering just just good entertainment, you know. Um, especially when the you know the CGI starts to get a little bump. Yeah. Yeah. Season four is really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I, oh, definitely. That was like that was definitely the season of Shield that like won me over and. They're, remind me, they're making a season seven too, right? Yeah, they. Jesus people were like, um, oh, like people didn't. The show was always on the bubble. It doesn't get that like the ratings are not that spectacular, and there are there is like a word that Disney slash Marvel is just kind of like strong arming um, ABC to keep the show going on. Um, so it was a surprise, it, it was a pleasant surprise when season six was confirmed because it was literally, I think, the last television show 
maybe not even just on ABC's lineup, but like in all the network, all, in all the uh, main networks, to get its fate confirmed. It was like very last minute, and there was just so much anxiety behind that. So like, hey, season six, we're finally back. It's gonna be a shortened season, but like, hey, at least the show survives. Months later, they get a surprise renewal for season seven. Everyone's like, what, what the fuck's going on? So, we we you know we poured uh, several drinks out for the Netflix shows. I think Agents of Shield just like consumed their life force to survive <laughs> because that show is just going and going. It's really impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think like, I feel like they almost like sensed that, like season four was like really really good, and then like just went from there like to just like i guess develop it more and fill it seasons and whatnot and you know like recognize that they want to tell more so we'll give them as much as we can i still think like season seven might be like the last one but we'll see you know Mm -hmm. uh as long as they as long as like whatever the you know if they know it's the last season and they end the last episode like it is the last episode, I will be fine. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, for example, season four ends in a massive cliffhanger, and if the the show got canceled there, I would have been so pissed at the writers if they pulled an Agent Carter season two, man opens door, gets shot, and you don't see who shot him. (laughs) (laughs) That's a spoiler. Oops. I just said, man, oh, wow, someone gets shot in the show crazy so you mentioned how the show handles plot twists really yes well what i guess what is it like how they mask that art so well that you feel like deserves like this sort of no let me sorry can i i never recorded phrase that question so you've talked about how the show handles plot twists really well like what makes them like i guess that good like of that just like really stellar quality. I think a lot of it is just respecting your audience's intelligence. <laughs> you know, I, I I was saying how so many shows kind of use cheap tricks. So here's here's an example. You ever watch The Walking Dead? No. Remember Glenn? Oh. <laughs> Do I you know, know of Glenn? Yeah. Yes. There is a there is like a season uh, I don't know season five episode maybe where. Glenn and a buddy of his, well, not a buddy, but it is this person who they used to hate each other, but he, they have like gained each other's respect and they're on a, they're on a run together at some point. They're literally running and they are, uh, trapped on top of a, um, of a dumpster and you're like, oh, this is the end. Uh, or like, no, Glenn is like, no, we gotta get out of here, but the other guy's like, this is the end, and he literally says, thank you, because, like, he helped him, uh, through whatever the hell he helped him, and he kills himself, he, he shoots himself in the head, um, and then his body falls down on Glenn, they fall down in the giant crowd of zombies, and you see the zombies, like, devouring flesh, and you see Glenn screaming, yada, 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 and you're like, oh, I guess Glenn is dead then. Next episode, um, they take out the actor's name from the opening credits. 
episode after that, you get a little cold opening where you see that the zombies were eating the guy on top of him, and Glenn somehow was able to hide under the dumpster and survived. Even though everyone was pretty sure that it was very obvious that Glenn survived, but still the show was like, eh, eh, eh. Like teasing yeah, out, yeah, like yeah, drawing yeah. it, it's death, you know? Yeah, like, cause it does, yeah. like, I know he does like eventually die. Yeah, like. and that's a cheap trick, you know? That Age of Shield does it in a way where you, um, you see the logic behind it after they trick you. Like, you're like, oh, that kind of, that actually makes sense. And like that, like, you can kind of see like how the, how the pieces moved, you know, they, they might've, um, they might've shown something to you that was misleading, but then you, it's recontextualized later on. It's not so much like, like the show's title card is going to trick you or something like that, or, you know, something as obvious as hiding under the dumpster. That was kind of one of my breaking points with that show. Um, but it, it, it does it in a way that um, genuinely surprises you and isn't just done for shock value. I mean, maybe one or two plot twists are, but, it, but it's mostly done to heighten the drama. And I will, let me tell you about one moment where I thought they were cheap. And this also has to do with advertising and, like, stuff outside the show. Because, um, end of season three, uh, there was a character death. But they stretch the anticipation for that character death for so long. Um, they encounter a person whose power it is to see people's deaths. Very convenient. And in this vision, you actually don't see who it is. But you do see... There is like a um, a rosary, like a, a necklace with a crucifix on it. And so the sky um, has that knowledge for several episodes. The audience has that knowledge for several episodes. Most of the characters do not know, and in the last two episodes... There is a game of hot potato with that um, with that necklace, and it is painful to watch, especially because all the commercials are like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fallen Agent, who's gonna die? <laughs> and and I, I, I hate that kind of advertising to me, if I'm gonna be fairly honest with you. Um, especially since like, <laughs> it never lives up to the hype. And let me tell you, um, I don't think this is a spoiler, but like I did not care about who about the character who eventually did die. Um, so that that's me giving a bad example to tell you, hey, that's the worst of it. Shield, like everything else, Shield does better does is much better than what I just told you because I don't really want to ruin any of like the cool. Uh, things that they do. Um, the thing about one particular couple in the show, and again, it's kind of a spoiler to say who that couple is, is that it's very much the opposite of like the Oliver Felicity dynamic that I described or like attempted to dumb down. It's more like it's um, the two characters have such a good understanding of each other. That it's actually 
surprising when they're like um united in something that you would think would have divided them and it's actually like kind of cool to watch like how strong the relationship is um to the point where okay we can't make artificial drama between them because that's just bad writing so instead there are a lot of external factors that keep them like physically away from each other and to me that's that's a much more interesting story to kind of see um, how they individually cope with that, the lens they are willing to take to get back to each other. It's really beautiful. <laughs> it's really amazing. Especially, is he season five? You know the couple I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> ah! <laughs> and they do a cool... <laughs> a lot of shit. See, like, I want to, like, like, shout to the heavens of, like, hey, let me tell you about all these cool parts, but, like, out of context, that doesn't mean anything. That's why I'm kind of, like... Hey, maybe try watching the show from the beginning. If you just start at the Winter Soldier tie-in, you're gonna be missing a lot of context. Yeah, and people you miss yeah. like a lot. Of, like I think you miss like a lot of like the build-up. Like you, I think say it like really well in your article. Like that you build, like you've established like these, like, you establish like a relationship with these characters, and like it's important that you get through that first season because yes. then you have like that sort of credibility and like yes. that knowledge and like that sort of like aspect of like just knowing those characters from day one is very powerful in storytelling yeah like it's not it's not a great like several first episodes but it is a good foundation for what they like for what they build on that later and especially the mythology stuff like there are so many uh there are so many pieces on the board that are set in those first episodes so stuff like um there's this element called gravitonium that becomes really important there are certain supporting characters uh, and a lot of uh it's let me tell you those first episodes were weird because um sky was just a genuine like anonymous like socialist activist <laughs> and it was like she was almost like a caricature of that archetype and it was just kind of funny um just seeing how different she used to be but then there were like little things like she used to live in a van right yeah uh, when she was a hacker and one of like the quirky things about her character which seemed kind of stupid at first was she had like a little hula like bobble thing mm -hmm. on her on her dashboard and then um that actually came back and like season two when, right season two i think it was when you were introduced to her father i think but they also like there's there, there's this moment where like um stuff goes bad but like simmons is like hey i saved this and it was like the hula thing and actually, when I first watched season two, I was like, wait, what the fuck is that? And then I rewatched season one. I was like, oh, okay. It's like the way you like linked her, like her origins and her pet. Ah, by the way, Sky's father is played by Kyle MacLachlan from Twin Peaks. And he is amazing. He, like Bill Paxton, very prominent actor who just camps it up and chews the scenery and is such a joy to watch. Tom Lachlan, National Treasure. All right. So, what else we got? <laughs> um, do you have? I guess, are there any missteps um, that this show has for all the um, for all the praise you lauded for? Like you've handed you've handed out a lot of like moments where Shield kind of trips up, even like after like the first season. But yeah, are there any other mishaps you 
um, just didn't mention yet. Uh, going along with the whole rosary necklace hot potato, I think a lot of the second half of season three was absurd. They're, they make this really big build-up for this group, the Secret Warriors, this group of super-powered uh, team, uh, this, this team of super-powered individuals, and they are setting them up for, like, for the entirety of Season 3, and they use them for the first act of one episode, and that's it. <laughs> uh, the villain is is really, like, I say scenery chewing as, like, a positive thing, but in this case, it's a negative thing. It's just really kind of cringy to watch this bad guy of the second half season three and um that's also where they let two certain characters go there are two characters named lance hunter and bobby morse you'll recognize bobby morse as mockingbird fantastic characters um you know it's like oh they're like ex-husband and wife and um, one's a mercenary, one's a spy, and, um, you know, Bobby is, like, this very, like, tall, strong, Amazonian woman. <laughs> she literally played Wonder Woman in a TV pilot, by the way. And, um, Lance Hunter is just kind of like this, um, not, no, he's not, he's kind a of lovable like a jackass. Yeah, but in, like, a Han Solo kind of way. Like a scoundrel with a heart of gold, you know? Yeah. And Hunter is just such a funny character. He is, his dialogue is so well-crafted. I don't know if it's, like, a thing with uh, Nick Blood, the actor, or if it's just, like, really on-point writing. But the cool thing about Hunter is that he has chemistry with every single character on the show. That's not, like, an actor <laughs> like, talent of his. Like, yeah, this- he's just... His personality, I just his skills yeah. an actor. Every every character he pairs up with, it's gold to watch. Amazing. Um, I I I was saying this because I I tweeted up a storm when I was rewatching season three, but um, watching Lance Hunter as a character makes me feel jealous as a screenwriter because that's like wow, I will never think of like a character this gold because <laughs> he's just so. And guess what they did is he they let the characters go. They what? wrote them off the show. Why? They wrote them off the show in the middle of season three. You know why? Because they were going to get their own spinoff show. They were you know so what? good that they were going to get their own show, and then it never happened. ABC watched the pilot, and they said, no thanks. Maybe the pilot sucked. <laughs> I That would probably Who be knows? We'll never see it, I guess. I hope they would put it on Disney Plus one day, but there was no backup plan, you know, for like, hey, let's put them back in like, maybe not season four, but season fucking five. Granted, Hunter did come back for one episode where he's paired with Fitz and it's an amazing episode, but um, Bobby is on the Orville right now with Seth MacFarlane, also as an ex-wife character, because I guess that's her archetype now, but, you know, poor her, because she was supposed to be Wonder Woman on TV, NBC did not pick that up. And she finally became another superhero. ABC did not pick that up, so... Hey, I guess I'm just Seth MacFarlane's ex-wife now. <laughs> Yikes. I heard the um, Orville's very good, though. I heard it's fine. I would like to give it a shot one day, but I don't really have time for new television. Chris, do you mean my entire relationship with television? Ah, that's sad. I mean... Television's gonna rock your brain, is he? You know, you're, you're, you're good. Okay, I'll have more time in the summer. 
So this article is from like just before season five came out. Um, it's yes. been two years since then, but a season of television five. How do you think this show has changed since season five? Like just within season five, like just has uh, it, it's... like just overall has it improved? Like how have they done differently? How's it, how's it evolved? Like, and whatnot. They are not a play. They are not afraid to play with the genre. And like I said, like they they like did magic in season four. Uh, season five, they do space, and they kind of lampshade it where um, where Mac, uh, played by Henry Simmons, another great performer. Um, Is that really they, his name? They, Henry Simmons. Yeah, that's um, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So they they find they figure out that they're in space, and then Mac says, "Of course, that's the one thing we haven't done yet," which. That's kind of funny, right? <laughs> That's that is very good. I love Mac. Mac is great. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, uh, I remember like when Bobby and Hunter like were first like let go, and like I was really like sad. Like, ugh, like out the new characters, like Mac's the one I think who didn't shine as much to me compared to the other two. But boy, I love Mac. Like Mac, Mac is a very on. good pairing with Fitz, in particular. I feel he's like a big brother, like a really cool big brother to Fitz, yeah. and uh, I. Thomas does not like Mac, last I heard. I will talk to him about that. He was, he's, he's been very, like, like eh. self-righteous, like, sanctimonious. Like, uh, like Mac is always the one who says, we're better than this. This isn't us. Uh, I, can, I can definitely <laughs> like see else. that. Like, <laughs> I can definitely see that. But I think, like, that's, like, the humanness, like, I guess you bring Right, to yeah. Thing. Well, he, he, he's literally a mechanic, and he's just, he's just, like, a secret agent now, and... He's meant to be the show's moral compass, but there are times where like he he's not the he's not right here. He's objectively not right. <laughs> so, you know, I I can I can relate to Thomas. Uh, I still like Mac though. But within season five, um, <laughs> season five got really complicated in an interesting way. And I'm curious to to know if that had anything to do with the fact that spoiler Endgame had a little time travel going on there, but things get very like you have to draw a diagram to figure out what's happening in season five. So I guess if you're if I'm answering how did the show evolve, uh, it becomes that kind of show, <laughs> like maybe not lost level of like mysteries, but like just trying to figure out what the fuck is happening right now. And, uh, granted, I was able to figure it out, you know, the fans were, like, into it, like, people were, like, sharing theories, and, um, you know, showing their graphics on Reddit and stuff like that, and it, it's, I, I'm curious to see if they're gonna go farther with that, or if that was just, like, the season five thing, like, the complicated space season. Nice. Yeah, so. like, I think, I really didn't think about this until we, I guess, before we started recording this, but Endgame did... Nope, Endgame was not the... Hmm, you're phrasing the sentence. Endgame was not the first MCU property to do time travel. Like, that's always been, like, a worrying complaint of mine. Like, S.H.I.E.L.D. did it first, and I'm interested to see how they do. I feel like I need to watch it to properly assess it. I don't think any... My personal opinion is, like, I don't think any TV movie property can really do time right and like time travel but like they can just do like the best they can like i think looper does a great job but it's sure. not perfect i don't know what your thought like that's this is like a 
aside. I mean, Looper's great because there's a scene where they literally sit down and they're like, okay, let's try to figure this out. And then they can't figure it out and they're like, okay, fuck it. <laughs> and then they just do the shooting. <laughs> like, it's a great movie. <laughs> God, I love Looper so I need to rewatch Looper. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, do yeah. it. I need to rewatch Brick. That's Brick's a fucking great movie. All right, hot take. Ryan Johnson's a great actor and he, and not a great actor, great director. Great actor, yes. Yes, he, he's uh, a great, no, um, great, he's a great director. And if you're shitting on him because of The Last Jedi, then I'm going to tell you to watch Looper or literally any other movie he's done. Fly. The episode Fly on Breaking Bad, where it's just Walter White trying to kill a fly. That is one of the best episodes of that show. Just, yeah, this man has directed the best episodes of Breaking Bad, so he does not deserve any of the shit gotten him for The Last Jedi. Hot take over. So, um... Ryan Johnson's okay. Yes. So... (laughs) To talk more, um, sort of close this out because I do have to leave. Um, oh yeah. Talk to me, but let me let this. Let me let these goons. Let me let, mm. let, me let these mm. goons. Mm. Um, let me let these goons fucking calm their asses down. Um. <laughs> all right. So, what would you describe as the current say the show or like the shield identity, and what do you? Th- hope that they build upon in season six Mm, that's kind of tough uh without saying explicitly like what's going on in trailers but it looks like they're going more into the space stuff for sure do you like that i don't know because they're doing space in a different way in in season five was a very like we're stuck in space thing. Season six, it looks like it's gonna be more like, we're hey, we're we are actively going to space to do a thing. We have a mission in space, like more of like a Star Trek thing than a Lost in Space thing. I guess I haven't seen Lost in Space <laughs> by the way, but um, it looks. Every, if there's one word I can use to describe what I've seen of season six based on the promotional material, it looks dirtier. Like, everyone just looks dirtier. Everyone was, was wearing dirty clothes, and everyone's just, like, fighting dirty. <laughs> CW. It just, it just, it looks like a, like, uh, I don't think CW is very gross. I'm just, I'm joking, but, like, that's darker. Those suits still look very nice. I'm talking about, like, like, there's, like, mud and dirt. Like, I don't see a lot of mud and dirt on those CW actors. They still gotta look nice, you know? Like, it's dirty, but, like, just in glitter and, like, stylish and, like, that like board art stuff. <laughs> My favorite Arrowverse trope is whenever a character um, says, and this is mostly a Flash thing, but whenever a character goes up, like um, they're in a group conversation, and then a character says to Barry, "Barry, can I speak to you alone?" And then they step two steps away, two steps to the right. <laughs> that's also an, um, that's also an Iron Fist um, drinking game sort of tick. Oh off. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. They go much far. I mean, you know, not that Iron Fist season one is a fantastic piece of television, but there are more things to drink other than just can I talk to you for a second? Oh, absolutely. It's more like the room, and that is just unpredictable in its badness. So, okay, not Iron Fist, Age of Shield, um, season six. Yes. I think it's going to be a very defining moment because they have said. That there is not going to be an end game tie-in, at least like in like the first episodes. <sighs> um, end game spoilers if you still haven't seen it. 
I mean, technically, the spoiler ban, whatever the fuck that is, that the Russos arbitrarily gave is up. But there is a... Last chance. There is a five-year gap in Endgame. Um, season season 6 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will take place one year after Season 5, which the end of Season 5 tied in with Infinity War. You had verbal references to Thanos and stuff going on in New York City in the last few episodes of Season 5, but Season 5 did not end with the snap. So, therefore, Season 6 takes place one year after Infinity War, after everyone is snapped. From what I've read in Episode 1 of Season 6, they do not even reference the snap or Infinity War. Well, let me, let me, so it's like, okay, has Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stopped caring about the MCU tie-ins? And it's kind of like a contradictory thing because pe some, people are Reddit is, some people on Reddit are mad that they are apparently distancing themselves from the MCU. When the thing that people were mad about in season one was that there were too many season, like there were too many MCU references. It's like the Iron Man three problem. Like you ex go in expecting, like, oh, it's gonna be super connected, and then like it's just a self centric story. Yeah, 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 sure, exactly. And I, I'd like to think they have a plan in mind, and a lot of the stuff was not their fault. They did not know when season six was going to air. They didn't know if it was going to air before or after Endgame, and they didn't want to step on the toes of the future MCU movies. If you saw that Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, they're going to be doing a lot of things addressing how the snap affected the common folk of the MCU. So they didn't really want to, like, jump on that, I guess. So maybe they'll justify because, again, Season 5 had time travel, and you can work the rules they established in Season 5 with the rules they established in Endgame and still have it make sense. Um, I'm not going to say exactly how, because that would be... Okay, you want... No, actually okay. don't, because I actually want to watch season five. Okay, all right. But I mean, like, it's a very obvious thing. It's like they tr they have to avoid a thing, and then they they avoid the thing. Okay, yeah, it's, it's really Compass, obvious, yeah. but... Yeah, but remember that, again, spoilers for Endgame, if you're somehow still listening to this... They, they established that um, when you make a change in the timeline, that creates an alternate timeline. Here, Izzy, I'm going to make things a little more complicated. I'm very sorry. Yes. I read a different thing. I read two different things, one from the Russos and one oh, from Oh, I saw McFeely. this. Did you see that? Did yeah, you see that? Yeah, I did. That was Are you fucking kidding me that they don't know what the fuck they're doing? <laughs> <sighs> the Russos said, okay... Again, spoilers for Endgame. Steve Rogers goes back in time and lives with Pecky Carter. Also in time. Presumably, yes, presumably creating a new timeline where he's, I guess, married to Pecky Carter because he's because that's not what happens in the Prime MCU timeline. Marcus and McFeely said No, nothing they, changed. No, 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 no. Here's what they said. They they interpret it as they interpret the ancient one's explanation of the timeline is only split when you take an Infinity Stone out. I think they're wrong. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't think about I can't think about this. See, this is why I hate time travel. 
In movies! They took Mjolnir out. They took Mjolnir out, and that created a split timeline. Mm-hmm. That's not Infinity Stone, man. So, I'm telling you... I'm telling you, I think it's very possible that Season 6 takes place in an alternate timeline where the snap did not happen. Am I disappointed? Yes, because I would love to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. colon The Leftovers, but... I think Season 7 might explore that. Yeah, but here's the thing. You can't snap half the TV cast. Yeah. And all the main characters... And even the minor supporting characters are still intact in Season 6. If the snap did happen, that would be one hell of a coincidence. (laughs) Uh, Even more of a coincidence than all of Peter's friends getting snapped for Far From Home. So... Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Season 6, I am looking forward to it. It looks... It looks dirty! (laughs) I want some... I want some grit. I want some. I want some. Uh, you know, all that stuff. Add some texture. Let me say. Let me say. Season one looks way too clean. <laughs> but that was the <laughs> point look, of the meme. I know, but like they, they're in the bus. They're in the airplane, the giant airplane, and it looks like a fucking like penthouse. Yeah, that is. And true. now they are underground. I don't think they take showers anymore because they all look dirty. <laughs> they all look disgusting. <laughs> they all dress up like scavengers <laughs> now. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love the aesthetic now. I don't even know why it's still called Age of Shield. Honestly, it should just be called like um, people who live at the MCU who constantly get fucked up every day. <sighs> the, the last thing I'll say about the show is that. It's fun to watch week by week, but when you look at the long-term arc of what these characters have gone through, they have gone through absolute hell. And with Ghost Rider, they went through literal hell. Hey! Um, but, man, I don't know how any of these characters can be happy for the rest of their lives anymore. <laughs> because for the movies, it's like, okay, every few months, something terrible happens to them, but for them, it's they like, They don't get a break. Week. Yeah. <laughs> they Oh, uh, those poor saps. You want to wrap this up? Isn't yeah. It? So, um, Chris, would you like to plug yourself? Uh, <laughs> okay. I will plug myself. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's going on? Um, you can find us on uh, Twitter at AP Marvel, on Facebook at facebook.com slash AP Marvel, medium.com slash AP dash Marvel. And you Patreon some, medium. Can, yes, you can. What little what medium? I did say medium. Okay. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we are on Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave us a review there. Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. I have not updated the YouTube page in a while, so if you listen to our podcast on YouTube, I am very sorry because you're probably several episodes behind now. Um, we're on Patreon. We're trying to raise some money. We want to. We want to pay cool writers with unique MCU takes, preferably those from marginalized communities, or at the very least, just, like, film nerds in general who just have an opinion that has not been, like, really um, well-represented on the internet. We are on Discord. Um, please join our Discord. Talk to us about Endgame, your, th- your spoiler thoughts on it, um, your thoughts on the Far From Home trailer, 
and I'm <coughs> going to be trying to do like Discord text chats for Agents of Shield. So that'll be a really that should be a fun thing. I would hope. And Charles Villeneuve did our graphics, uh, did our graphic design. Steve Maltor did the track Jazz Ventures, and thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, I am on Twitter at Compenderizer. Izzy, where are you at? I'm at Delirulin on Twitter. Cool. Anything you're working on right now? Uh, not not schoolwork. I mean AP Marvel stuff. <laughs> You'll wait and wait and see. I guess I don't wow. know either. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at the calendar, but like, do you want me to disclose what's on the calendar, or do you want to keep that close to your chest? Let's keep that close. I have to. Some, okay. I'll keep that close. Right. I also need to talk to you about, like, I guess, like the Shazam stuff too. So. Oh oh oh! So much for close to chest, but um. Yeah. <laughs> I will disclose that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All, All right. right. Um, I, I will wrap it up. Um, check out Tony's very late film corner on Jordan Peele's Us. He has promised me a Detective Pikachu one soon, so we'll see if Tony delivers. But for now, thank you very much, and we'll see you for episode 50 Ooh, next week. Bye. Bye bye.